0: Okay, out there in Marvel land, face front, this is Stan Lee speaking. You've probably never heard a record like this before, because no one would be nutty enough to make one with a bunch of offbeat artists, so anything is liable to happen. Hey, who made you at this, Jockey Lee? Well, well, Jolly Jack Kirby. Say a few words to the fans, Jackson. Okay, a few words. Well, I'll, I'll take care of the humor around here. You, you've been using the same gags over and over for years. Well, you can't accuse me of being fickle, can you? By the way, Jack... The readers have been complaining about Sue's hairdo again. What am I supposed to do? Be a hairdresser? Next time I'll draw a bald headed Boy, I'm glad we caught you when you were in a good mood.
1: <laughs> All right, hold the fuck on. Welcome back to another exciting edition of Adamair MD GED. Underground Cartoon Therapy. On tonight's episode, Jack Kirby. Pornhub. Totino's Pizza Rolls. What the fuck Weed Am I Smoking? And Cartoonist You Should Fucking Know. <laughs> So put away the hand lotion, it's time for Adam Air, M.D. G.E.D. Underground Cartoon Therapy. Stand the fuck by. (laughs) I never got to meet Jack Kirby. That's a fucking bummer.
0: the year 1994, from out of space comes a runaway planet, hurtling between the Earth and the Moon, unleashing cosmic destruction. Man's civilization is cast in ruin. 2,000 years later, Earth is reborn. A strange new world rises from the old, a world of savagery super science and sorcery but one man bursts his bonds to fight for justice with his companions the Mark and princess ariel he pits his strength his courage and his fabulous sun sword against the forces of evil <laughs>
1: he is thundar the barbarian princess ariel man she was smoking A lot of people don't know that, but Jack Kirby was the one that did the production design on that, Thundar the Barbarian, after years of working at Marvel Comics and years of working at DC and just doing comics all together. They said Jack Kirby, uh, the research center, I think it says he inked over 30,000 pages in his life. (laughs) What in the fuck? The guy was a cosmic god. It's like this kid born in the Bowery and Lower East Side in the 20s. Uh, Jacob Kurtzberg. And, uh, you know, he was an artist right away. And there's some documentaries out there and shit. Of course, I'm going to give you the old stoner, Adamair, MDGED. Sweet Stoner Kirby review in my own little way here. I guess the uh, where I'll start at is I had just gotten into comics again, and there was like this period of time because I didn't collect comics for a while, I was just too into music and too into metal. And I didn't think comics and toys fit in there. I wasn't smart enough yet to know, oh, yeah, you can do both. (laughs) It was fucking hardcore, man, you know? Younger. Just that younger mind. But when I finally realized that I could do everything and love all this shit, it was awesome. (laughs) So Jack Kirby definitely fit into that equation. I started studying Kirby pretty hard. There's a lot of nerds out there that uh, no Jack Kirby shit and they're all factual and stuff and they're super anal retentive about it it's like you know what man I'm just going to tell you how I heard it (laughs) don't worry about it if you really want to do the research after that I encourage it I'm usually off about some shit don't worry about it but you know you get the gist of it whatever Um, you know in the 20s this guy he's like going through all these different names you know, I can't remember any of them. <laughs> uh, and he goes and he goes into syndicated comic strips, and then he did um, in betweens for Max Fleischer on Betty Boop and Popeye cartoons, and then eventually, you know, he gets to a timely and World War Two is in heat. Have you ever listened to that Heroes episode where I was talking about Siegel and Schuster creating Superman? Well, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby were the guys that created Captain America. And on their end, they're in this thing called a bullpen, which is just ten sweaty Jewish men (laughs) inking fucking ten pages a fucking day, which is a lot. It's a lot. And they're sitting there, and they're heated. There's no air conditioning in this fucking old-school-ass office or nothing. You know the fucking humidity in New York is fucking just irking. And, you know, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon are automatically involved to enlist in the Army. So, you know, the story I heard was that... I don't know if it was ever, like, published like this either, but I heard this off-the-grid anyway, so I'll just say it's an off-the-grid version. But Jack Kirby did two years in in the war, and Stan Lee also served as well, but this story isn't about him, it's about Jack. And Joe was uh, enlisted into the Army, too, and these guys were sent to Germany, man, so they went from drawing Captain America... Um to uh, being drafted into the... They weren't drafted, they enlisted. To being enlisted in the Army and then going overseas to uh, Germany, you know. I don't know what happened to Joe, but the story I heard at the end of Jack's last tour, the sergeant of his platoon or whatever stopped and he confronted Jack and he said, Are you Jack Hervey? And he goes, yes, sir, I am. And he goes, and you created Captain America? And he goes, yes, sir. And he goes, see that rowboat over there? And he pointed at this uh, canal out of uh, Auschwitz or whatever. And he goes, this is a suicide run, son. None of us are coming back from this. And you've got a duty to do. So go back and do it. And Jack Kirby would have come back and drawn Captain America for a while. Under the uh, Timely comics, which evolved into Atlas comics, which evolved into Marvel comics. And at that time, fucking, uh, he was at Timely. He went back, he, he did, he left. I don't know if the rest of the story is true or whatever, but that's supposedly how Jack got out. He was honorably discharged, came back. I guess he did weird gigs. He met up with Steve Ditko and they were friends. And at one point in the 50s, him and Steve would have ended up at Ben Cooper Costumes in New York. Creating these comic or er, comic style like costumes. And you know what Ben Cooper is? They got the hard shell mask of the character and then a plastic mat kind of chest tie around, you know. It's kind of like a, you just wear it, the little kids wear it, this plastic mat thing, and it's got the character or whatever it's from on it. And uh, around 51, they would have created that Spider-Man costume for Ben Cooper. Not a lot of people know that. A lot of people do. Comic nerds know. Yes, yes, yes. God, I already know that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to talk to that douchebag. Believe me, that's why I don't talk to these guys. It's too anal. But the reality is, is that Jack and Steve were working at Ben Cooper, and they created that Spider-Man costume. It was yellow and black. And it was the Spider-Man face. And then it didn't necessarily have the same kind of webbing design. But it's fucking Spider-Man. You know, here it is. is like the comics code comes out and it turns everything upside down. Marvel turns into Atlas. Atlas is a lot of reprint shit and blah blah blah. And Atlas becomes Marvel. And Marvel's being ran by Stanley's only, uh, you know, was the was the sole successor of Martin Goodwin. And he handed over the company to Stan. But, you know, Martin really had a mobster mentality. They don't really talk about that so much, I guess. But he, uh, he came from the mobster end of comics. And if you know about these early-ass comics, like, from, like, 1918, and you got The Yellow Kid, and... Lil' Nemo's Adventures in Slumberland, and Buster Brown. And all these guys were like, all these were newspaper comic style before 34. And then by 34, a naval officer was like, you know what? When I'm sitting on the latrine in a fucking sub or whatever, (laughs) I can't necessarily read a newspaper. I need something that's a little thinner, because the bathroom wasn't as wide as the newspaper. And believe it or not, that's exactly how the fucking comic book really was formed. And that guy was like, he knocked it down to that 6 by 95 form, you know? And then, of course, you know, the adventure goes from 34 to 40, and then all of a sudden, you know, in 40, you got Captain America... Punching out Hitler on the cover of Captain America number one. Fucking awesome, man. (laughs) That was the 66 cartoon, you know? That's been a long wave since fucking Chris Evans fucking in these Avenger movies and shit. He does a good job. I like it. It's epic. Whatever. I hate fucking Disney, but those movies are addictive as fuck. Oh, I hate that they are too, but they fucking are... Man. Fuck it. You know, but Jack Kirby created all this shit. And that's what it was, was... You know, after the World War ended, guys like Superman and Captain America weren't needed anymore. But here it was way later on. Martin Goodwin dies and he fucking... um, I'm going to croak. I'm going to leave Stan Lee, my only sole successor, just fucking Marvel Comics. And he does, but it's a burden. Why is it a burden? Well, you didn't have any of the superheroes yet. The Silver Age of Marvel hadn't been born yet. You know what was going on? Cowboy comics and dating comics. (laughs) Oh, God. That's actually where uh, Patsy Walker came from. And it was like a a dating comic, right? But later on, they bring her back into the Marvel superhero age now, and they call her Hellcat, and I always liked her as a character. They kind of fucked her up on that Jessica... uh Jones shit that season two. Yeah, that's not Hellcat. <laughs> they could have done a better job, man. They didn't fuck that up. <laughs> Hellcat's awesome. Uh anyway, Hellcat. But, you know, here it is. And basically Stan Lee's stuck with this fucking barrage of comics that really aren't selling. It's the oppressive age of the comics code and yeah, it's 19, you know, 60 at the end of 6061 somewhere around there. Jack Kirby was coming back 20 years later to pick up his fucking work from Captain America when the shit was timely. And Stan Lee, this is what I heard. You're not gonna read it like this, <laughs> I guarantee you. Stanley's just fucking bummed out, dude. Okay? He's fucking depressed. He's sitting on the stoop of Marvel. Now Marvel. Jack Kirby's coming out with his work, you know. He sees Stanley fucking crying. He's fucking crying. And Jack's his friend, you know. And Jack's like, What is up, buddy? Why are why are you crying? What is going on? He puts his hand on his shoulder. It's very touching. <sighs> and and Stan fucking bursts out and he says, I can't run this goddamn fucking company on kitty books, Jack. I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna fucking do. And just had a goddamn meltdown. And that was the initial reaction that that's kind of the Big Bang that started the Marvel Universe. Because he needed something bigger. He needed something bigger. Than the shit that was happening. He was right. Stan was right, dude. He did. He needed something that was going to fucking bust the fuck open. Like no shit. And, you know, Jack still hanging out with Stan. Uh, Steve Ditko, years later. They've been hanging out for like a decade or more now, 12 years. And he's like, well, let me talk to Steve. Let me see what we can come up with. These guys are commercial fucking ready-to-go motherfuckers, you know. Jack's not fucking around. He's already a Weapon X before the... He was the original (laughs) Weapon X before the fucking Marvel Universe, you know. He created it. Stan Lee set the fuse. But Jack Kirby was the bomb. You know? And, uh... That's often misplaced because Stan Lee spent years taking credit for fucking shit that Jack did. But in in the original reality, I'm telling you, this was basically it in a nutshell. You know? Was I there? No. Did I hear this shit from the seasoned vets? Yes. So I... I'm, I'm telling you. That's what they pretty much all say, too. Stanley had a fucking meltdown. Jack Kirby saved his ass. Commercially fucking advanced shit. And did pretty much three books inside of about a month between him and Steve Ditko. And they did Amazing Adventures number one, two, and three. And it did help. And it was something new. And it was that Dr. droom who was the first Silver Age superhero. He was the first Marvel Silver Age superhero. His backstories is by uh, Steve Ditko in the back of that book. Steve Ditko is a cartoonist you should fucking know. <laughs> he was awesome. And him and Jack, you know, they complimented each other because their works didn't really override each other, you know. I think, you know, they were just compatible. And I think they were underdogs, really, in the on the human kind of side of things. And when you're such a good cartoonist, a lot of times people don't know who you, you really are because you're really chained to a fucking desk. It's a very antisocial fucking job in the end. You're really just chained to a fucking desk. It's you, your brain. Very solidarity, just like a lot of people are feeling right now. You guys are out there feeling this fucking shit where you're trapped inside your house. Imagine being a cartoonist where you have to be. <laughs> you know, there's no choice. You fucking have to be like this your whole life, or as long as you choose to be a cartoonist. Jack Kirby chose. You know, Stan was like, he got those first three issues of Amazing Adventures, and he was like, yeah, it's good, guys, but I need something else. I need need something. He was a fucking business motherfucker. You know, Stan was just a business motherfucker. It's in his blood, just boiling. You know? He had already done a bunch of other shit, you know? But he knew he had something. He knew he had something that he hadn't had before. This was magic, dude. This is like fucking lightning in a fucking bottle shit. And he knew it. And so he's like, I need something else, dudes. And, uh, Jack was like, give me a week. (laughs) A fucking week. And he came back and, uh, that fucking 61 issue of, uh, Fantastic Four, number one. You know, he had, Jack had already worked at DC in the 50s and shit on Green Arrow. All this other shit. And he did this book called Challengers of the Unknown. Which is like where I had this relevant story about There's a cover of Challengers of the Unknown. They're basically the Fantastic Four, but it's not like they have the torch and the thing or anything. It's just a bunch of cats fucking dressed up in purple outfits. You know, and they go into different dimensions and fight different weird monsters all the time and take care of the fucking situation. (laughs) And on the cover of this one, there's an egg with this gigantic arm. Coming out of the egg, and the arm is bigger than the egg, and and it's like the birth of a creature from another dimension. <laughs> and the crew looks all shocked and like, look, it's dimensionally transcendental or whatever they say. Or it's bigger, it's bigger uh, outside than it is on the inside. <laughs> and I remember being in art class, you know. In Akron, Ohio, and I don't know, it had to be fucking seventy nine. I'd never even heard of challengers of the. Year. I'm years away, decades away from getting into advanced Kirbyomics that I'm sharing with you guys right now. <laughs> but I was in this art class in like first grade, you know, and the fucking art teacher says, "Uh, I want you guys to draw a dinosaur being birth." Out of an egg. That's your assignment. <laughs> okay. Of course, I drew this fucking little tiny egg with this gigantic fucking arm coming out of it. And that was... uh I remember that picture, and I wished I would have kept it, but years, you know, we're talking like 20 years later, man, I I finally am looking at this, you know, Kirby collection, you know, archive book. And there's that picture of that fucking egg with the arm coming out. Man, you want to talk about fucking cosmic fucking just alignment when things come cosmically aligned. And, of course, I had uh, Jack Kirby to thank for it, you know. Stan Lee knew that Fantastic Four would just, it fucking banked. It fucking banked. And Stan's like, okay, when are we putting out issue number two? Well, that was it. You know? And Stan and Jack, or uh, Steve Dicko and Jack Kirby were the first guys. You know, eventually, they just, you know, start coming up with all these ideas Stan would be like, I, I, I like this. I like that. I like Dr. Jekyll. I like, th- you know, Mr. Hyde. I like fucking Frankenstein. I like this. Like, Jack Kirby's like, uh huh. He'd go back and fucking come back with all this shit. Viley fucking. He created the characters proper. You know, and most of the time he'd create the characters. Stan Lee was talking about some other shit that he was into. And Jack would come back with his own shit. Fucking Thor. Fucking X-Men. The Avengers. Fucking Iron Man. Captain America. Wasp. Beast. The original Beast. Fucking original Iceman. Fucking original Kitty Pride Fucking original Angel. Magneto. Doctor Doom spider-man so well, okay here didn't steve dicko and stan lee or no didn't that isn't that what happened right am i wrong about it? yes you're wrong because i just told you they fucking made the costume in, at ben cooper and this was stan lee as soon as they're like fucking doing better he just wants to do better than that and that's fine because that's how a business works that's cool but you got to respect the engine, man. If you don't respect the fucking engine, you will desecrate your fucking vehicle. Stan Lee constructed this vehicle to fucking pimp off as many of these fucking cool... And they were cool books, man. It was kind of weird. Hulk was one of those comics that got like up to issue 6 or whatever, and then it dropped off and it became... Combined with Thor, you know, and Thor was automatically thrown into this thing, you know, and they would combine comics, like, half the story would be, and that's what it, Tales to Astonish, you know, and uh, the Hulk and Thor combined together, so really when they come out, I think uh, Hulk is like, Issue that is, I think it's like 121, and Thor's like 126 or 125, 126. That's what their first issues are as individual issues because they weren't strong enough until they had already been out for like a hundred fucking issues, both of them together, to be independent of each other and finally have their own book again. If you didn't know that. He did all this shit, man, you know. They had him running fucking all these stories. Stan Lee sits sits there and takes the credit and says, oh yeah, I wrote this and that. No, you didn't. (laughs) He fucking, Jack Kirby wrote this shit on the side panels. Oh, this is what's happening, da-da-da-da. Stan Lee said in one interview, it was like playing crossword puzzles. All I had to do was read the notes he already had and I just fucking filled it in. And you know, he was a good enough writer to do that, but he didn't have to do much work. He really didn't do shit. But he fucking distro'd the fuck out of these books and he put these guys to work. And that was the thing he did do. He's like, I made those motherfuckers work. <laughs> But he wasn't that, you know. There was something just really sheisty about him all the time, you know. And by the time fucking uh, in the end of the thing, you know, it's because of this magazine, nasty magazine article that was written about Marvel Comics, and they said something nasty about fucking Jack Kirby. They made Stan look all disco and pimp. And, like, he was this great guy and shit, you know. He's the guy you want to go party with. But Jack Kirby has the, say, you know, he has the fucking personality of a used vacuum salesman. Oh, they shouldn't have said that. That was fucking harsh. So he fucking left, and he went to D.C. And Carmine Infantino was like, yeah, let's fucking do this shit, you know. Gave him new gods. He came up with new gods. This is all shit that would have come out of Marvel. You know, I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. Here, check this shit out. Hold on. Here's a little snippet from the uh, Kirby Museum. This is from uh, 1982. Hold on, give me one second. Fucking cue this motherfucker up. Uh so this is uh the twenty-eighth of october eighty two on Entertainment Tonight. It's to characters a goal. We could do better.
0: We wanna do better. <laughs> <laughs> Our spotlight today falls on the people who nibble at the edges of the entertainment world, like the rather surprising English group called The Clash. Also in that category is a man named Jack Kirby. He's the guy to blame if your kids or yourself seem to have an unnatural longing to turn on the TV set on a Saturday morning and join (laughs) the company of some superheroes. Catherine Mann reports.
1: Fuck yeah.
0: How many characters have you created? It would probably we would probably come to an army division By his own admission, <laughs> Jack Kirby's superhero creations are so numerous even he can't keep track. After some 40 years at the drawing board and an estimated 40,000 pages
1: 40,000
0: characters as Captain America, Fantastic Four, and the Avengers, Kirby is the undisputed king of comic book superheroes. The king. What do your characters represent? Well, the characters represent uh, a sort of a a transcendent feeling that we we all have inside us, that uh, uh, we could do better, we want to do better, Uh, we haven't time to do better, that uh, we can be the people that we lion eyes to anyone passing by his southern california home jack looks like anything but a muscle-bound superhero but according to him it's what's inside the mind that counts if you look at my characters you'll find me no matter what kind of character you create or assume a little of yourself must remain there. During the afternoon we spent with him, Jack couldn't resist including me in one of his action-packed plots. Uh, that's me being thrown from a helicopter by two vicious villains. But in the nick of time, I'm saved by a flying passerby. Oh, you're endowing me nicely there, Jack. Oh, Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this my, is a Catherine man you've never seen before and probably never will again. <laughs> this is my normal masculine instinct. <laughs> <laughs> As he sits each Stay at his board, along with his characters, Jack Kirby is far from lonely. I haven't got the trappings of a circus, but uh, there in my mind is a very active and bright and colorful place that's as good as any circus that I've ever seen. And uh, I live with that, and I enjoy it immensely. And that was of the new Catherine Mann, huh? Well, now we're going to move from the weird world to the real world.
1: <laughs> the weird world to the real world. That's right, too. Um, That was a sweet little excerpt, too. Uh, And I like how, you know, we can do better. That was his whole thing, Jack's whole thing, was we can do better. And you can just tell the way that he writes the shit. And the further he gets in time, especially after he left Marvel... That was one of the stipulations he made with Carmine Infantino, you know. Because he was like, what's the weakest book? And he says, oh, well, that's fucking Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. Well, that's the one I want. (laughs) Okay. Kurt Swan's already, he's another cartoonist you should fucking know. Just fucking awesome illustrator. But a totally different thing, you know. He had this whole thing where Jimmy Olsen would turn into some weird alien. <laughs> that was the running gag line: a turtle, a fucking bucket of diamonds, a chicken—I don't know, some bullshit—and <laughs> uh, and 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 Superman would figure out how to turn Jimmy Olsen back. The end. That's what semi- Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen was to begin with. No real. Threat. It was really just kind of the kiddie book end of the Superman line that was out at that time. And Jack was like, I'll take that. (laughs) So Kurt left. He went into stockbroking or some shit. And uh, Jack took it over. And it became something totally different. It turned action pack, fucking, what the fuck kind of stories. Uh, Very advanced storyline. Things that you could tell he's kind of getting oppressed at Marvel and just was able to get out. And Carmine was, you know, cool with it. He was like, yeah, go for it, man. And they were banking. They were selling huge. And Carmine would run the ads. Guess who's at DC? We got Kirby. We got Kirby, motherfucker. And all the readers were like, yeah, fuck yeah. It put the fucking sting on Stan's ass, and he deserved it. You know, fucking... And out of the DC line, out of that Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, which, by the way, they hated the way that Kirby drew Superman's face. So they actually commissioned Kurt Swan to come back and do the fucking faces. A lot of you might know that, but you may not know any of this, so it's pretty interesting shit. He was able to draw Superman, but the Superman face is not Kirby's. Because they didn't like how how he drew him. A lot of people hated that. They were like, just leave him alone. It was just kind of more almost like bullying shit, almost. So, you know, Jack's next move is, well, I'm going to leave. All this shit will evolve out of this Superman title, but (laughs) I want to go do my own books that I don't have to get fucked with, you know? And he did. He did Forever People, Mr. Miracle. And New Gods. And those are the three big guys... That formulate the fucking... Fourth World Series. And Dark Side coming out of New Gods. Being like one of the greatest villains... Ever fucking made. You know. I'm more of like Marvel... I like Marvel... Shit better. But DC and the... Mar- and... The shit that... Jack did at DC... You know, that those books were fucking sick, man. Just straight up. Everybody knows it. And the art's fucking great. And he did other books, too, like The Demon. <clears throat> and uh, Devil Dinosaur. <laughs> well, that was a Marvel one, actually. <laughs> but, um, you know, that shit came back when... Because basically after his run, the fundamentalist Christians got pissed off about the New Gods book. It put a lot of pressure on his ass. Carmine had to let him go. Now now it's like 74, 75, 76. Those years he was at Marvel. And now they're getting ready to put out that fucking Eternals movie. But that was a book that came out when he returned to Marvel. And uh, there were a few books that he did That were like, he still had that cosmic shit. Stan was still the same old fucking used car salesman he ever was. (laughs) They just got into it, man. And Jack's wife was not down with the way Stan Lee ran his shit. And he wasn't, and she definitely wasn't down with him. Oh, I'm not going to give you your work back. And now he's in that same fucking position again. In the end, he finally gave, like, a a certain percentage of his work back, but he kept most of it. Because that was how Martin Goodwin was, man. He was like, like I was trying to say at the beginning, I did kind of straight off or whatever, but those original comics, when they were in newspaper print, they were ran in the back of shops like shoe stores and fucking dairies and all this other shit. And the actual mafia mob... Mobsters would just fucking rent these fucking giant storages out and set up a little printing press and fucking run off these comics. And they would make money off the shit. It became hustling. Martin Goodwin was kind of from that line. So by the time he hands over Marvel to Stan Lee, you got to imagine the unwritten kind of hidden story there. And what kind of spiel Martin Goodwin was actually laying on Stan Lee, you know? You can imagine him saying shit like, don't ever fucking give the art back. Run this motherfucker this way. You gotta run it like a mafia fucking, like a like a job, you know? You gotta do it like a fucking job, Stan. And it became some like Scorsese shit almost. <laughs> Jack didn't need that shit. You know, he was just trying to work professionally. And he should have gave him his work back. Stan died with this kind of hardened ethic that all the trade secrets were his. Everything was his. Jack Kirby did nothing. And, you know, that's kind of how he pretty much acted. He didn't fucking fulfill the right deal, you know? He didn't reveal the truth. That's too bad. You know, I'll have more Jack Kirby shows, but this will be the first of the first ones. And he inspired me, man. And so today is all about the inspiration and uh, and the love I have for Jack Kirby. And I'll be back. We'll do some more. I'm going to fucking close her out here with a little fucking... Obscure favorite, of course. So hold the fuck on. Thank you for joining me on another fucking pretty cool-ass episode, man.
0: March along, march along, march along to the song of the very Marble Marching Society. If you growl, if you groan, with the dour sour uncle, if you howl, give you moan, you can lose your sour crust and keep me trim and in step with the thin mouth of, of the very Marble
1: Marching Society. Be an early riser. Oh God. <laughs> These were different times, dude. <laughs> well, I hope you had a fucking good time with me today. You're on the winning team. Enough said. You belong, you belong to the MD MDGED Underground Cartoon Therapy and the Merry Marvel Marching Society, (laughs) if you want. All right, guys, I'm out of here.